Okay, this is one of my all-time favorite uh, personal professional stories. We're going to feature Joanna Devon, formerly known as Joanna Geisiger when I first met her, who is the founder and CEO of Torque Interface. This is just such a cool story. She's a medical device rep, comes up with this remarkable new idea uh, and decides that she is going to start a company, but she wants to get her MBA to learn how to start the company. Because I was involved early, I sort of was a mentor and part of the project for her. And it has just been a remarkable entrepreneurial story about how a 28-year-old woman who's determined, who sees a problem, has a solution. So she has to go through the arduous gauntlet of taking this project uh, and making it into a successful, profitable company, which she's done. I mean, this is an amazing story. I know you're going to love it. Hashtag follow the pro. So what happens when you come on the Pitch Pro from the Ortho Show? Well, you can ask Kevin Rocco from BioRes. Three weeks later after coming on our show, he's FDA cleared for his device. And next thing you know, he's at the AOSSM Anna meeting with us in Nashville, and he wins the ACE Innovative Medical Device Award. That's what we're talking about. Matthew Ray Scott, Vin Dasa, Joe Mullings in the fro, checking out what you bring to the show. We give you analysis, we break it down, we give you advice. Who's up next? The Pitch Pro from the Ortho Show podcast. From Medical Media, this is The Ortho Show. Hello world, it's your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Scott Sigmund, here to host another episode of the Ortho Show podcast, where we bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic world. Today is no exception. Today is a really special story. We're going to pivot away from orthopedic surgeons into industry, because I know we have a tremendous number of industry listeners as well. And it's the remarkable story of an entrepreneur and, and really how she started from the beginning and how I was blessed to be a part of it from actually stage zero. So it is a pleasure to have Joanna Geisinger in parentheses, Devin, who was recently married and uh, who was the founder and CEO of Torque Interface. Joanna, how are you? Hey, Dr. Sigmund. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited. Um, I'm doing great. It's, it's great That's to be it. here. You know, I love this story because I always say, you know, life is all about relationships, right? I mean, you can't just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to start a new company and I'm just going to wing it and I'll figure it out as I go. You know, you need to have people involved that you know and you draw from relationships and then you work together and hopefully you get across the finish line with with a meaningful and successful outcome. But so let's let's start from the beginning. So you're you're, you're born and bred in uh, Wellesley, Massachusetts, a Massachusetts girl your entire life. You have a twin sister as well. And uh, I know that's an integral part of the story because I want to talk about that, too, because I don't think you'd be here today if it wasn't for her uh, in certain regards. And uh, so you go to Bucknell, you know, great school. You get your four years, you come out. And why did you decide to become an orthopedic sales rep? I'm interested. Yeah, I um, I actually came out of call right out of Bucknell. I started a different company. It was called My Hometown Link with my sister. Um, and I I looked up where I could work at night. Um, so I looked up Fortune 500 top companies where you might be able to grow. You can really make your own salary, especially coming right out of college. Um, 
And I wanted the flexibility to really focus on my first venture. Uh, and we worked in Boston at a place called Dog Patch Labs that, that was venture funded. Um, so I wanted to be able to work at night doing something else to make money to pay my bills right out of college. So I realized that I loved sales. Um, I just loved, I loved looking at how patterns evolved. So I got to, got familiar with, you know, this type of person really likes Eileen Fisher and that type of person um, likes Madewell, et cetera, et cetera. And I loved, I just loved working with people and I never expected that. So I ended up really loving that, that job and the initial company failed. And so um, that's what taught me I like sales, but I really wanted to obviously use my education and, and heard medical sales was, um, you know, challenging. And that's how I got started. So you started off at Smith and Nephew, is that correct? Yep. Smith and Nephew was my first three years what, there. What were you doing? What were you selling for Smith and Nephew? <laughs> I was selling their bone stimulators and I thought they were so, so cool. A really cool product. Uh, we did not meet because I was not doing a lot of bone stimulating. No, we didn't. Time. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were definitely calling on the trauma guys yep. doing all that <laughs> bone stuff that they don't let me do anymore. Yep. Uh, so, so you're doing well, and then, but you decide to make a switch, and so you switch over to Zimmer. What was the rationale for making the switch after three years? I wanted to get into surgery, so I was in office sales, and I really wanted to be in the operating room. I thought that would be a next challenge for me. Um, I could see myself getting bored with selling bone stimulators and. You know, I never like to be bored. So I wanted to take on the challenge of working in the OR and learning that medical side of things. And that's why I moved over to Zimmer. But I loved I loved Smith and Nephew too. So did you so I know how we met, because we met based on subchondroplasty and acufil, which was that's kind of similar to what you were doing with bone grafting and other stuff before. But but uh did you go right into subchondroplasty or was that a transition for you? I, I did. I um, I started out, that was one of my initial products, if I remember correctly. So subchondroplasty, de novo, and chondrofix. I was doing their biologic line. And it was great because I was able to really get um, started in the OR quickly. Um, yeah. So that's pretty cool. But you, you're, you're stuck with this new idea and a new product, which is never easy, right? Mm, yeah. So the subchondroplasty, just so everybody knows, is this operation where if you have arthritis, you can get these stress injuries into the bone and they can be very painful. And so this material gets injected into those stress injuries to the bone, and then it can provide patients longer-term pain relief and prevent potentially the need to go on to a knee replacement. But nobody really knew what it was. It was sort of a new technology. Now, now I'm, I know you remember this, but mm -hmm. but I want, I want my medical device listeners <laughs> to hear this because how did you introduce yourself to me? It was a very, very unique way. Yeah. So I... Um... I, it was almost impossible to get in front of surgeons back then because of the Sunshine Act and um, your office was so busy. And so I just got so frustrated with, you know, um, administrators telling me to leave my brochures on the counter and they'd hand them to Dr. Sigmund. I just knew it was just going to go in the trash can. So I decided to hire someone. Um, I outsourced to a, another country, had them draw caricatures of the surgeons that I was trying to talk to. And then I hired someone to... Um, they created music for me. So they put, it was a musical card. When you open it up, start singing to you. And I, I, um, cre I, uh, created songs about the product. And then I had the surgeon name in the song. So it was really a personalized card. And I thought it was totally nuts, but 
hard, much harder to ignore um, than just the pamphlet. So it's a caricature of Dr. Sigmund and inside it sung to Dr. Sigmund. It was definitely crazy, but yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. I'm it like, worked. Oh, I'm like, holy shit. I've never, ever <laughs> seen anything like this. And to your credit, have I ever received anything <laughs> like this? But that still wasn't good enough. Yeah, that <laughs> was yeah, that was a long time ago. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, so I take this musical card and I just throw it on top of my desk <laughs> with all the other crap on my desk. And by the way, they t- they say that the messier your desk is, is a sign of uh, uh, of your IQ and intellect. Intellect. So the, you should have a messy desk. Good, I do. But, That's great. I feel good about that. <laughs> all right, awesome. So so I stick that on my my desk and then I go out to some meeting and I run into Sharif Bashay who was one of my dear friends, orthopedic surgeon out in Detroit. He's like, Siggy, go check this thing out. And I go over and he starts showing it to me and they've got more data at this point. And I'm like, well, that seems kind of cool. I'm like, I really don't have anything else to really treat that at this point. I think I may try it. Then I'm sort of flying home and I'm like, was that that Meshuggah girl that sent me a musical <laughs> card to try to get my business? And I was like, sure enough, I got back in. I look at my desk, I find the damn card. I give you a call. And we started doing business. Yep. And and to your credit, uh, you really started doing pretty well. You were you were really cracked the envelope. A bunch of doctors started doing it. Your business was ramping up, and you were really exceeding, you know, at at your goal as a medical device rep. And then you one day you walk into my office. It's, I don't know. It's a year and a half later or something like that. I don't know. And you said, "Hey, doc, I just want you to know that you know." I'm giving up my, my job and I'm going to get my MBA. And I said, wow. And, and your comments still really sort of stuck with me, which, which was doc, you don't get it doc. I mean, I really was never, the medical device rep was, was a means to an end, but I was always planning on doing something more. And I still didn't quite understand what that meant yet. Uh, but you go, you, you give up the job to get us a new rep. It's fine. I'm, I'm so happy for you. You're making a, you know, a big decision. I thought it was a little crazy. I'm like, she's finally making some money. You know, <laughs> why is she going to school now? Now she's going to have school bills, but whatever, if that's what you want to do, I'm okay with it. And, uh, and then all of a sudden it's like you're three or four months into school and you give me a call and you're like, Hey doc, you know, I'd really, I really appreciate the relationship I had with you. You really helped me get started. I've got this idea. And I'm doing a project for my MBA. And I was hoping you could like be an advisor and help me on the project. And I'm thinking, all right, so she's writing a paper. You know, it's no big deal. I'll talk to her. We'll go over the paper. I'll con- contribute whatever I can. She'll get her MBA and life will be good. But really not so much. So tell us, tell the listeners the story about why you left to be a rep, why you went to get your MBA and, and that process. Yeah, I love, I always love learning. And like I said, I never like to feel stuck. And I felt like there would come a time where I wasn't challenged in the OR anymore. So I saw that kind of coming. Um, and also I'm, I just, I love, I love entrepreneurship. I, I love seeing problems and thinking about how we could solve them. And every single day I would show up to different hospitals and operating rooms and, um, you know, they'd say, Oh, sorry, Joanna, case is actually running late. It's actually at 11 as opposed to 7:30." Um, and then I'm just sitting there, uh, in the cafeteria, you know, playing on my computer. And it just felt so, 
it felt like such a waste of time and medical device reps make a good amount of money. And I felt like it was a waste of resources for our healthcare system and everybody's, you know, it's a major concern. How do we start to get more efficient with things? And um, this sort of waste was right in front of my face. And I'm also, um, I really don't like bothering people. It's just part of my personality. I really, really hate feeling like a nuisance. And uh, I felt like I was always walking a fine line between bugging the nursing staff asking, hey, is Dr. Signet's case still at 730? Or did it got did it get bumped? Um, and then or just wasting my time or possibly sending in equipment that we didn't need because case notes got changed, but I don't know about it as a vendor. So I felt really inefficient. And so um, I, I left not to get an MBA. My goal was always to start Torque. So I wanted the freedom um, to do that. I also felt I loved my uh, boss at Zimmer. I loved leadership at Zimmer. And I didn't want you know, I didn't think it was fair to Zimmer to split my time between trying to start a company and working for them. So instead, I felt like it would be all of my time if I'm getting an MBA. If I get a B, it doesn't matter if, you know, if I'm focused on my company. And so I focused my entire MBA around starting Torque. And the deal to myself was if I can't get a hospital to be willing to try this by the time I graduate, then at least I got an MBA. And like Dr. Sigmund said, I reached out to all my resources and Dr. Sigmund being one that I knew was very entrepreneurial and we got started. Yeah, no, I want to roll, I want to back up the bean footage here for a second because I think that that when when I hear from most people about MBAs, most of the time it's like I'm going to get an MBA because it seems to me like it's going to help with my career or it's another feather in my cap, but or it's going to help me do something later in life or run a business. But to our listeners, I want to be very clear. You went to get an MBA to learn how you could help to start your company. So yes, it was a very distinct path for you as to what your MBA was going to get you. And, and that I did not understand. And even when you walked into my office asking me to be sort of your you know advisory role, and then we sat down over coffee and we really started talking about this, I was like, holy shit. I mean, mm-hmm. she's, not, she's not asking me to help write a paper. I mean, she's going, she wants to start a company here. And she's yet getting her MBA to help figure that out. She's developing relationships. And, and the entrepreneurial spirit really comes down to, to one thing in, in my eye. First and foremost, recognize a problem. And then second, figure out a solution. And so that's what you, you know, asked me to do. You said, you know, can you help me along the way to get this thing going? And I played, I want to be very clear, a very small role in, in all that's happened in the greatness of Torque. But it was just a it was such a remarkable you know story and adventure for me to be a part of this really from the ground floor well that is not true you did not play a small part you actually played a huge part because one of the biggest things i've learned throughout my journey is um, most people are very afraid of risk you know it it just depends on your personality i i personally love risk i think it's um it's what makes life interesting but the fact that you were willing to take a risk on me before we had anything and kind of fight through the bureaucracy of Lowell um is always going to it's always going to be a big deal and i think you know your leadership and ability to see beyond um and trust in i think what that's what was really important to me getting started is i think you trusted that I would make it work uh, regardless of we, we were going to have problems. We did, um, we overcame them, but you know, I was really determined to make it work. And with a first pilot, there's a lot to get through. And so the fact that you took that risk on that first pilot 
that's a that's one of the hardest parts of starting a company. It's the first. Yeah, no, and and just for the listeners again, I mean, so the the problem was okay is that as 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 operating rooms go and surgery go, you'd think they'd be very technical, right? They'd be involved in all of the latest and greatest technology that's out there, but actually, it's not the case. Uh, and in addition, every hospital sort of had their own EMR at the time, none of which could really talk to one another. But at the end of the day, you you would have these cases that would get canceled or delayed, and there was no air traffic control. And so the reps would sit around waiting for these cases to start. It was highly inefficient on their time. And the, and the base uh, principle of Torque was your experience as a medical device rep to create a system that would allow everyone on their smartphone, just like they would getting notifications on other apps, as to when your cases were going to start and was it going to be on time. The minute was it delayed. It was this. So it was air traffic control and it, no one had done it. And uh, it was not easy because the software development had to be taken from other industry and brought over. And, you know, thank God you've got a twin sister who's also an entrepreneur, right? Because you're bootstrapping. So you got to give a shout out to your sister on the process too. Oh, huge. Oh my gosh. It's unbelievable. Um, she, so in the first 20,000, we actually won one of the Babson business plan competitions. So that was hugely helpful. Um, we used that to start the pilot, but then my sister, Elizabeth, who, um, she has her own company. She started her own company right after the other company we started. It's incredibly successful. Um, she owns it a hundred percent and, um, you know, she, she just does amazingly well. She started investing in us, um, and has continued investing. She's put in a little over 2 million at this point. Um, so she's just been incredible believing in me, believing in the vision. Um, and you know, she, she, she doesn't understand healthcare. Um, she's never been a part of it, but she understands the basic problem solution and trusts that, um, you know, we're going to get somewhere. So she's been amazing and allowed me to have the freedom to really grow the company the way that I believe. So it's been really cool. It's been a, it's, it's been a partnership that, um, you know, we talk every day, multiple times a day. It's, it's fun. Yeah, no. If you have an identical twin sister that's on, that's an entrepreneur, it <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, so, so yeah. So we got you into the C suite at Lowell General. You had your your beta, you know, beta uh, process system, whatever. You're ready to rock and roll. Give it a trial, and it's actually universally well received from day one. I mean, there was a little bit of pushback from some of the human people that that may not have been keeping their jobs because sometimes that's what happens with technology, but. And now you've been, you know, on a slow organic growth and you're, you're, you're getting additional hospital systems. So tell everybody where you are now. When did the company start uh, and, and really where are you now in, in your growth and development and where do you see you're going? Yeah. So our first hospital was 2016. That was Lowell General. And like you said, doing the integration, that was super new. Um, it was not something that the whole industry understood yet. So we were one of the first to really be able to do that. Um and now we're in a little over a hundred facilities. So um, we have a couple of big channel partners that have helped us get to that point. We're in 24 states, just got Hawaii. So that was a good one. Um, so yeah, we've been growing pretty quickly. Yeah, no, I, you know, it's so funny with OrthoLaser, you and I have been teaming up together as we watch each other and our growth as, as, <laughs> as fellow entrepreneurs or orthopreneurs, as Matthew Ray Scott would say. But uh you know, it's just, it's a challenge, right? I mean, there's no rule book when it comes to opening a business and starting a business. I mean, 
there were just as many, you know, failures as they were successes, especially within technology, right? The technology space is so, so challenging. So challenging. Yeah. And, and especially EHRs, it's a big black box. Um, you have to learn as you go, there's no rule book and, and the bureaucracy of, of healthcare is just, oh my goodness. Um, and then the security with firewalls and, um, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a journey. Yeah. So the, you know, so what happens now, right? You have the electronic medical record and they can now communicate literally with just sitting there on your smartphone uh, doctors are able to follow their cases when cases get added on. Before, we used to have to call the reps to find out if the equipment was going to be there. They now click off to say that they've accepted the case. You know it so that if they don't show up, it's on them. It's not because somebody didn't call them. Uh, but now you're into inventory too, right? Moving inventory around to help out as well. So I know you've blossomed. So tell us about the multifacets of of Torque and the very specific things that you're doing today. Sure. Yeah. So right now we, um, like, like you talked about, we handle all the communication for all vendors, not just orthopedics, but if a vendor works in a hospital, we, we help share the communication with them. Um, we alert the hospital, what trays we're expecting to come in. So, um, you know, that helps the SPD if they're loaner trays that are required, they're going to have a heads up as to what's coming in and when it's coming in. And then once those trays actually get delivered, um, they get checked in through the torque kiosk. And so everybody can see, surgeons can see, reps can see, reps can see exactly what was delivered. Um, so they're not kind of crossing their fingers and hoping that, that, uh, that those trays were actually delivered by their couriers. And then they can see when the trays, as they move throughout the sterilization process, um, once they're actually on the case cart. So they're not, um, again, running around right before surgery looking for their trays, they can see it, um, that it got delivered. So just a full, uh, full loop of communication. Air traffic control. The <laughs> operating room. Yeah. And, yeah. It's cool. It's, uh, it's beloved by all. I mean, I don't, I haven't had a single doctor that says they don't like the fact that they can track everything that's happening. The reps are <laughs> thrilled, right? Instead of having to go up in the cafeteria for four and a half hours, you know, when your case is going to start, you zip out, you go to a different hospital, you get some work done. So they're happy as well. So I'm going to I'm going to ask you a question. Don't be mad at me, but you know, it's a new business and I know how this rolls, but uh are you making any money yet or are we still working at it? <laughs> no, we finally started making money. Yeah, we yeah, one of our one of the major device companies finally started paying us, which was a big big step. So, yeah, that's uh that was that was a really cool partnership that we started a little over a year ago. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So happy for you when you get that recognition of something that you've been working so hard for to sort of knock down the doors and, and really innovate and change, right? Requires courage to do so because oftentimes you, you, you fail before you succeed. So what's your vision? What's your vision for Torque? Where do you think this thing is going to go? Well, um, where I hope it goes, we've partnered with a few um, big, big companies one of them being Zimmer, um, who their reps are helping us to spread it into all of their accounts. Um, and then just a few others, like a company called One Medical Passport, um, where we're really growing quickly in the ambulatory surgery center space, which is obviously an exploding space that I think needs a lot of help in terms of efficiency. Um because they're just smaller. But I think in the next, I would say year, two years, my hope, fingers crossed, is we have um, a real market presence. So my goal is 500 facilities in the next 
12 months. Um, and through our channel partners, I think we can do it because we're leveraging some really big sales forces. Um, and we keep it free for the hospital. So again, I try really hard to make it as much of a no-brainer as possible for everyone. It's a real problem, a solution that's been vetted by some of the top, you know, Harvard teaching hospitals. And um, the feedback that we have from everyone is really cool. So I think that's what's really going to make a difference, especially for the device companies. When we talk about value-based care and we think about how do we bring down costs, um, this is a big one. This is one where you're shipping in hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment in orthopedics specifically, um, a lot of times for cases that have already been canceled. So if we want to change the way in which uh, they're able to operate based on a different demand signal, we can really bring down their overhead and hopefully we can see prices of implants go down without jeopardizing the effectiveness of those implants. So big goals. That's my hope. And it's really scalable. It's really scalable savings using, you know, using technology to make a difference. And, and you know, we really commend you. So uh, we have, you know, a lot of great listeners out there. I want you to provide three pieces of advice that you would give to future entrepreneurs for, for helping to develop their idea and trying to get it across the finish line? I think um, never underestimate how emotionally taxing it's going to be. It's your baby and it's, it has to mean the world to you in order to put in the amount of effort it will take in order to um, cross through the inevitable barriers that you reach. Um, so decide if it's worth it. Um, and I think that the biggest challenge is you know, you have to look in the mirror every day and ask yourself if you're lying to yourself. You know, if you reach a, if you reach a hurdle, is it something that you're supposed to work to get over, or is it something that, um, you know, is just it's a it's something where that tells you you need to give up. And I think that's the hardest part of being an entrepreneur. It's um, knowing when to pivot and take a different direction, but then also um, knowing nope. In this case, I need to keep pushing. I need to find a, I need to find a way over this. So, yeah, I think that's um, that's the biggest challenge. I I think. I mean, I think that's you know we we hear this a lot on, on the Ortho Show from entrepreneurs such as yourself who have really you know looked to try and change uh, the paradigm, which is yeah really you know what you are doing and accomplishing, and you know it's just uh, I have such great pride in. Uh, being able to have witnessed all that you've done. And, and Joanne, Joanne, I know that you're going to continue to achieve and continue to grow. Uh, and I just really want to thank you for taking the time to share your remarkable story here on the Ortho Show. Oh my gosh. Well, it's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me and um, being a part of my journey too. It's been, it's been so much fun. I can't believe how long it's been. <laughs> it feels like yesterday that we started. <laughs> and Mazel Tov on your wedding. And now it's Joanna Tevin. <laughs> so we have a change of the day, but listen, uh, I can't, we can't thank you enough for sharing your story, Joanna. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time. 